Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the most beneficent, most merciful. This is the Muslim Experience Podcast, and I'm your host, Farooq. Inshallah, today we are joined by Brother Isa, who I recently met, and he has agreed to share his wonderful story, his reversion story into Islam from Christianity. And he's a local brother, and I'm really uh, happy to have uh, joined him on this platform. And I hope his story can benefit you, anyone out there who is still on that spiritual journey and is looking for their life purpose. So here we go. Tell me about yourself, uh, Brother Isa, for the show. For the As show. you said, I was raised locally. Okay. As you said, I was Christian. Like most Americans, it was a fairly nominal Christianity. There wasn't much practice involved. We went to church every week. Beyond that, there was not much adherence to Christian doctrine. Right. I went to a Catholic school for the first seven or so years of my education. From my experience of both Catholic church and Catholic school, I found a number of problems with Catholic doctrine, principally the doctrine of transubstantiationism, the belief that the priest's prayers over the host and the Eucharist you know, make the wafers and the wine the actual body and blood of Christ. Right, right. I uh, expressed my doubts and concerns with the priest, and he more or less blew me off. He didn't actually you know, respond to my questions. And that obviously left a very sour taste in my mouth. And from around that time onwards, I stopped going to church. What age were you then, if you don't mind me asking? Twelve, I believe. I was in the sixth grade, so 11, 12. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. So your mind was still like, I guess from 9, 10, it's in that kind of development stage, but you're moving on 11 onwards. It's really opened up to the world, right? So is that why the curiosity kicked in? In all fairness, it was my brother who first mentioned this to me. Right. He brought up why it didn't seem to make too much sense. And from there, I reached my own conclusions. Sure. Now, my experiences with Catholic Church and Catholic school put me off of religion for a while. In the next couple of years, middle school to early high school, I began to study history extensively. It was around this time that I also began to get involved in politics online. In the circles I frequent in online politics, it was usually quite conservative yeah. and rather Christian. It was in these circles that I began to be exposed to Islam. Not an honest exposure by any means, but it was, it, it, it was first brought to my attention. As I studied history more and more, the picture painted of Islam in, in conservative online circles didn't really seem to match the historical reality. Right. And as the years progressed, I became more and more perplexed by this. And I eventually chose to read the Quran last year. The Quran was nothing like I was told it was. It was nowhere near as violent as I'd been led to believe. And you know, I was quite surprised by it. I wouldn't say it was a religious experience per se. I wasn't really moved by it at the time, but I was surprised. Afterwards, I chose to read the Bible. And the Bible similarly surprised me, but not in a good way. Much of what I'd been told about it frankly untrue. It's at least some parts of the Bible are as violent as Christians told me the Quran was. I was frankly put off by this. Okay. 
especially the fact I felt lied to by many Christians throughout my life. At this point, I really had no interest in converting to Islam. I was purely trying to learn about it for academic purposes. But as time went on, I began to see an internal logic of sorts in Quranic statutes. And there was a nice consistency and interplay between them. I remember the last time we had the, a conversation about inheritance. That's one of the, one of the key yes. things you mentioned. Okay. One, one aspect in particular that I remember many Christians railing against Islam for yeah. was the fact that males and females do not receive equal inheritance shares under Islamic law. What they always left out, however, is the fact that under Islamic law, women bear no responsibility for you know, financially supporting themselves. Right. And so under such a system, it's actually unfair to give males and females equal shares as males and females don't bear equal responsibility, at least financially. And that's one aspect of that. And there was also something else that I found uh, interesting as well, because this comes up quite often in conversations that I have, especially with uh, someone who's either interested in Islam or has heard something about Islam, and uh, maybe it was a Quran verse or something like that, that they literally took out of context. There were certain people in Mecca called the Quraysh. I don't know if you've heard of the Quraysh. Yes. And when, after so many years of persecuting the people who were there, who were Muslims, they literally had to leave Mecca. They went to Medina. Certain events that took place, the battles, etc., when they went back, and there's mention of this, when they went back to Mecca, there was a mention about how to treat those individuals. And I think a lot of people took that out of context where you could use those verses even today, but that's not how it works. The worst example of this, I think, comes from the fifth and sixth verses of Al-Taba. Now, um, in the context... The pagans described in the verses are, are the pagans of Mecca who, uh, I believe on multiple occasions, broke peace treaties established with the Muslims. Under such circumstances, it's entirely reasonable to prosecute a war against them and to do so quite severely. Whenever I've seen these verses quoted, that's never mentioned. Yeah. And if your enemies spend years breaking peace treaties with you, you have no recourse but to fight them. It's entirely just and reasonable. In fact, I'm going to assume if you asked most people, yeah. generally, you know, if your enemies break peace treaties with you, is it okay to fight them? They'd say yes. There's frankly not much else you can do. Okay. And another thing that was also mentioned during this period of time, they didn't literally say, hey guys, you need to get out of here they gave them up to 40 days to find like an alternative place because in that, in that sacred space, which is Makkah, they didn't allow any non-Muslims. Verse number six is mentioning that if any of those individuals seek protection, grant them protection. You're talking about the worst enemies of you know, the Muslims in that given time. But yet Allah is revealing that if they want to be protected, you need to protect them. You need to grant them that. And then deliver him to his place of safety. They are people who do not know. If they're struggling to find an alternative place, make sure you help them. And even if it means dropping them off in that safe space, 
making sure that they're okay, then make your way back home. Like who does that? So when you took your Shahada, I actually made a note of when you took it. I think it was, I'm, I'm seeing it as June 29th and it was, a, a, you know, just after 4 p.m. That's when you took your Shahada. That sounds um, about right, yes. <laughs> and uh, so I, I think I asked you this already, but that specific night or the morning after, how did you feel? In all honesty, I didn't feel very different. And the reason why is fairly simple. For a few weeks, if not a few months beforehand, I decided that I would do it. It was more or less just, you know, it was a, it was a foregone conclusion as far as I was concerned. Right. So it was already there. It was already in your presence, I guess. And you just wanted to confirm it, right? Yes. Just to sign it, get it done, sign, sealed, delivered. Basically, yes. <laughs> Excellent. And I think, you know, again, speaking to other individuals who went through this process, everyone is on a, a different journey. Sometimes there's no feeling at all. There's no, nothing different. You wake up, you go about doing your day. So I wanted to ask you, if you could meet someone dead or alive today and sit and have a conversation with them, who would it be? And what would you say? It could be absolutely anyone. Honestly, I think regardless of the person, I'd ask the exact same question. Basically, I'd ask them after death, in those certain realities of existence that you've learned, yeah. what would you do differently? Wow, that's very powerful. That's a very general question, too. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And uh, also, uh, with regards to the Quran itself, now that you've gone through most or all of the chapters, which surah resonates with you? Because we all have these favorite surahs or favorite verses even. It could be a verse or anything. My two favorite verses are the 23rd and 24th verses of Al-Baqarah. And if you are in doubt about what we have sent down upon our servant, Muhammad wasallam, then produce a surah, the like thereof, and call upon your witnesses other than Allah if you should be truthful. And if you do not, you will never be able to. Then fear the fire, whose fuel is men and stones prepared for the disbelievers. And also, I wanted to ask uh, if there's any advice you can give someone, especially when they're still searching for the, for the truth. So anyone out there that could be listening to this podcast right now, what would you advise them? You're going to have to figure out how you think. Quite frankly, I can't predict how you are receptive to information. Right, right. It's your job to figure out how you think and then approach you know, information yeah. accordingly. There's no one-size-fits-all path. That's true. I would just say, find a topic that interests you and go from there. I found religion through history. Those two things usually aren't connected. Yeah. But in this case, it, it worked out that way. Yeah. It might just be that perhaps you find religion through pop culture. I don't know. I mean, it, it's entirely possible. So I think that that question, it's too general. You're right. It is. <laughs> and what about, uh, I know you like to read. So I wanted to ask you, what book are you reading now? And what book have you just finished? Just out of interest. I just finished a 30,000 line Italian epic poem called um, Orlando Inamorato. It translates to Orlando in love. 
Wow. Uh, long story short, it's a very, very complex uh, story about two of Charlemagne's paladins fighting each other for you know, this one uh, princess named Angelica. Wow. <laughs> it's... It's nothing like most modern stories. There's no central plot. It's basically a collection of stories that yeah. connect in some form or another. Okay. Question is, does he get the girl at the end of it? <laughs> the poet died before he finished it. Oh, wow. Oh, my word. Yeah. Basically, Orlando and his cousin, Ronaldo, uh, yeah. fight for her twice, and neither of them actually get her. Wow. So... Um, we'll never know how that ended. That's well, actually, actually, we do. Okay, okay. A second poet wrote a sequel to it. I haven't oh. read that yet. It's just, I don't have the time for it currently. <laughs> it's, just, it's just too long. Yeah, hopefully it does it justice, right? I'd hope so, at least. Yeah. So I wanted to ask um, with regards to the transition from what you either believed or not believed in to Islam, how is that transition going so far? I know you're still learning and I'm trying to just remind you, just take your time and stuff like that. But I'd like to hear more on that. What's the transition like so far? As far as I can tell, it's almost a rabbit hole of sorts. Once you learn one new thing, you oftentimes find many more things to learn. It's very enjoyable in that regard, I'd say, but it's also at times a bit overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. As there is just so much to learn. You're right. Right. It's very hard to go from effectively having uh, almost no day-to-day -day standards you know, in your individual life to having what seems like an endless number of standards all of a sudden. Yeah, I think in my regard, too much of a perfectionist. I'm, you know, I'm very concerned about doing things exactly. Yeah. And hopefully with time, it'll start to wear away. Yeah. Speaking of experience from people who are, were in a similar situation as you, they, like for the first, I would say, six to eight months, they basically went all in. Guys, just calm down. Just, you know, chill. Take a chill pill. It's going to be all right. Now you're basically setting yourself up for the rest of your life. Think of it as like that. And slowly, slowly, all these things that you learn, as a reminder, Allah wants... Uh, ease for a person me born as a muslim i can't just say hey okay i'm gonna stop praying now because that's on me but as and allah also sees that i'm not always gonna be strong in my faith you know you know like a uh, best example i can give you is when you rig someone up to let's say a heart monitor you look at the heart rate it's like and then it goes straight like that like that and it, you know there's some Straight line and then flows. it goes, right? So that's uh, our faith tends to do that. It's, it's always going to be up or down or depending on what mood you wake up with sometimes, depending on what's going on in your life. I've experienced that myself already. Yeah. It's, it's so a very it's natural human thing. It's, it's the same with yeah. every aspect of human nature. Exactly. And that's what it is. You know, we just have to remind ourselves that you're going to have off days. You're going to have days where... You don't want to do anything. Whenever you have those moments, just think to yourself that, look, as long as I do one thing that is allowing me to remember Allah, it could be one prayer. And that way you're feeling, okay, I've got that connection there. And 
that's all it is. It's just simplicity. Everything about it is simple. I think, like I said, first six to eight months, you might go into this all in. I want to learn about this, learn about... You can't possibly learn everything all at once. Remember that, like myself, I... Um, studied Moscow, the madrasa for from five or six years old up until 16. And I still haven't learned everything. <laughs> everything no one is ever a can, process. frankly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it does. Now, honestly, you're not going to know everything about it. You're enjoying the process, the journey. Think of it like that. And you're getting rewarded even for reading something. You know what I'm saying? And obviously, you, know, you, you have a lot of things going on in your life right now with studying and you know writing papers and stuff like that so yeah balance things out so yeah is there anything else you wanted to conclude on i just want to thank you for having me i i I hope i've given you something to work with i'm glad you agreed to do this because it's it's just nice to hear like a perspective of someone who's gone through these different processes and you know learning about the history etc it's really important. And it gives me a different perspective as well. It allows me to broaden my mind. A lot of individuals out there who are trying to seek their purpose in life and they're on that journey and you've kind of come towards the end of that. And was it three to four years the process kind of started for you? Would you say? Even four to five, possibly. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please share our content whichever podcast channel you use and this helps us grow and we're able to bring more stories to you inshallah until next time assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh